Welcome to episode number 83 of the National Land Realty Podcast, where we discuss all things land. Our goal here is to inform, educate, and entertain those of you who own land or are interested in the buying and selling of land throughout the United States. My name is Mac Christian, and I'm the Chief Marketing Officer here at National Land Realty. I'll be your host for this episode. Now, today's a special treat. We're talking with Jimmy Riley out of Louisiana and Mississippi. He works as an agent in both of those states. And Jimmy is better known as one of the cultivators of one of the of one of the more famous deer hunting habitats in all of Mississippi, Giles Island. It's a, an area that used to be a guided hunting island, now has been taken private. You won't get a chance to be hunting that anytime soon. But Jimmy is here and he happens to have forgotten more about land and deer than you and I will probably ever know. Jimmy is talking to us today about buck to doe ratios, how those affect the growth of, of the herd, and how you can cultivate a great population growth of deer on your land by working with these ratios. Now sit back and enjoy. Okay. Okay, I'm sitting here with the one, the only Jimmy Riley. If you've paid attention to social media with National Land Realty, you've probably seen his name pop up. You are quite active on the uh, social channels. And uh, but we're here today is started to talk about something in your wheelhouse, which is deer management and land management revolving around deer. And we're talking about the ratio between does and bucks. And uh, Jimmy, just real quick, though, before we jump in, fill us in a little bit about your background. I, you've been on here before, but for those of you who didn't catch that amazing episode that we did, I'm going to call it amazing episode. That was a good episode. Uh, you know, fill us in a little bit about your background. How did you get here? Well, I. Uh... I spent the last 27 years managing, developing the business and managing the business on Giles Island where we, we sold commercial hunts. And the, I mean, the main thing was deer, but we did turkey and we did fishing trips and we did alligator hunts and dove hunts and squirrel hunts and we did it all. If it was a living animal over there, we were hunting it for pay, you know? So um, that's what I did for 27 years. And then we got a new owner over there and he didn't want to, do the commercial hunting. So I was out. So I had to come up with another career and had some friends of mine said, Hey man, we want you to come sell hunting land with us. And I didn't, I didn't, I never saw it coming, but the more I talked to him, the more it made sense. And, um, uh, and I love it. I really do. been doing it for like what, six months, seven months now. And I love it cause I'm still in the woods and I'm still with the hunters and I'm still talking to lingo and doing all the stuff. And, um, I feel really blessed to be where I'm at in this stage of my new career. And when you're talking about managing Giles Island for 27 years, I feel like I, I feel like that passed as a footnote. You started a raggedy old island that didn't have any kind of like management to it that was just full of deer, and then built it into one of the premier hunting destinations of the United States within the, within a short amount of time. And it improved from there. You've been a guest on, I don't know how many hunting shows you've been on showcasing that property that you built up. Uh, you've got you've got more than a little bit of experience building up landscape to hold record setting deer and, you know, giant deer populations. Uh, you know, how did you start that? What was sort of your process? And I, I know we already talked about this a little bit, but I, I just wanted like overhead view. What did you take it to and where did it end up? 
Well, you know, when I got there, they were shooting um, 16 inch spread, at least eight points. That was the rule. And that's something. And back in the day, that was a lot because wasn't a lot of deer management going on back in 1996. So, um, <clears throat> but we, we tweaked it over the years and we up, upgraded those uh, shooter requirements and really with a lot of discipline and all of the hunts that we sold over there were one-on-one -on -one guided and that was our niche. Uh, it was easier for me to train 12 guides or really had 30 on the roster. Um, uh, then and what we needed to shoot rather versus the 380 hunters that we took in every year, you know? So, um, that's, that was our niche and that's what worked really good for us, uh, providing consistency with big bucks every year. So a lot of, a lot of restraint and a lot of discipline and, uh, it, it was a good run, man. And, uh, that, that's the part I'm going to miss the most, uh, is not being there to raise those big deer. That that's what I enjoyed the most. We did it as a team. It was a team effort. Everybody got on board and everybody bought, bought into what I was trying to do, and it worked, man. It worked really good, and and uh, it was a good run. And <laughs> we killed a lot of good ones every year. So, you know, it's well, um, yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say now you get the role of taking almost three decades of experience in in wildlife management and you get to apply that to to current landowners and people looking to acquire their little piece of heaven and and so you get to help people with all of that experience that you have now apply that to their properties and and I think that that's really cool I mean that's that's something where you get to to relive that kind of experience over and over and over with clients now as as a consultant um, and so let's kind of jump into the topic here. We're talking about ratios that you want to, that you want to shoot for when, when you have, you know, deer on your property. And, and this is, this is for cultivating large populations or cultivating large bucks. Yeah. Uh, both. <laughs> both. Okay. Um, there we go. Both. So yeah, it's a combination of both. So, you know, as, as, um, uh, landowners, uh, recreational landowners, we want to, get the most out of the land that it has to offer you know so i mean if we're a duck hunter we want to be able to go out there and kill the limit every morning okay if, if we're a turkey hunter we want to go to our property and at least hopefully hear one guy at least one gobbler on our property that morning so from a deer hunter's aspect we want to see our deer we want to be able to see those bucks we've got on trail camera during the daylight and we want to kill as many big mature bucks on our property as we possibly can. So the one thing that a landowner can do to accomplish those goals, and it's the hardest thing to accomplish, is to achieve a one-to-one -one buck doe ratio. If there's one thing a person can do, outside of the supplemental feeding, outside of the food plots, outside of all that stuff, this is one thing. And we're going to, <laughs> I've got some notes here and, and I'm going to try to break it down for everyone on why it is so important to achieve a one-to-one -one buck doe ratio on your deer hunting land. Okay. So, and and there's, there's, a, I got a lot of questions with this too, because, you know, there's certain, there's certain preconceived notions that, that sort of like go out the window when we're talking about this. So like some might take the path of why do I not want a whole crap ton of does? 
and and like one stud buck like what's what's the what does that do to the population yeah i mean that's that's terrible because i mean yeah that one stud buck is going to breed look it doesn't matter how many does out there those, these bucks are not breeding all of them it's not like a herd bull okay it's not like the the rooster in the hen house okay it, deer don't work that way the average buck only breeds two and a half does a year okay that's the average that's a biological stat okay um so the main thing um that you're going to get when you have a one-to-one -one buck doe ratio <clears throat> you're going to increase the quality of your hunt big time all right it increases the competition for the does between the bucks okay so when you have one-to-one -one, those bucks have to they have to fight to establish territory. They have to roam around. They got to move more to establish territory. They're always bumping into one another because you have more bucks on the property, okay? And when it comes time to find a doe, a receptive doe, they have to roam around more because there's not as many out there as it used to be. So the bucks are roaming around more. That puts them roaming around in the daylight a little more. Um. And then they, there's more scrapes out there. There's more rubs out there. Um, you're going to wind up seeing mature bucks walk up in your food plot during daylight. So this isn't just a matter of population. This is also a matter of altering their behavior. So when you have a one-to-one -one ratio and, 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 you know, we'll, we'll break it down for those that even like are not as familiar with wildlife, right? Like, when when you have just a few bucks and they kind of get their pick of, the, of of whatever doe they're chasing you know bucks a lot of the time in non-season they kind of hunker down and they become very nocturnal and you get to r the ruddy season and they start bumping around a lot but they'll still they'll still maintain a lot of activity at night and not as much during the day and what you're talking about is if they have to try a little harder they'll be bumping around a little bit more during the day is that what is is am, am i picking up the kind of that's uh, no right. that is absolutely correct and all of us that are sitting out there and we and i'm as guilty as a, as the next person not shooting my share of does okay i'm not saying i'm all that cuz i'm not <laughs> we we're all guilty of it right so yes. but running that business over on giles you know that was i had to do it you know, and we, but we had hunters every day. You got to have hunters to accomplish this. Okay. You can't do it. Weekend warrior stuff. You, you, it's not hardly going to get it done. It's hard to do it because, you know, the hunters, they're, they, they coming in, they got, they get there on Friday, probably don't get a time to hunt Friday. So they hunt Saturday morning, Saturday evening and Sunday morning. Then they got to drive back home. They don't want to waste one of their hunts. They think going to ruin their hunt if they shoot a doe, you know? They're buck hunting. So that's what happens. And it's a snowball effect and it just gets worse and worse. So, but here's, here's what happens when, when, uh, you start seeing more chasing, when you have a one-to-one -one buck dose ratio, you start seeing those bucks chasing those does through the woods. And on, on Giles, we, we would have two and three bucks chasing one doe or five or six bucks or eight or 10 bucks chasing one doe. So when, here's what happens. The chase is usually, the young bucks, okay, one and a half, two and a half, three and a half year old bucks, and because that old buck, when he when he finds a receptive doe, she takes him into the thicket and she she goes into the thickest things she can find and she just lays low, 
and he's just sitting there staring at her the whole time. They might nibble around and feed, but until she gets ready. All right, that big old buck, he, he done been there and done that, okay? He knows if he pushes her too hard, that here go, they're off on the chase, and they're and he's having to exert himself. And old deer don't like, they do not like to exert themselves. They're just like us, you know. Why run if I don't have to run? So, <clears throat> but here's what happens when, when some other bucks come in there to try to steal her away from him. That's when the chase starts, okay? So you start seeing more chasing when you have this one-to-one -one ratio because those younger bucks couldn't find their own doe. When you've got a bad ratio, like, four does per buck, well, he doesn't, you're not seeing any chasing. Why? Because every buck's got their own doe off in the thicket. Lockdown becomes, sure enough, lockdown. You never see them. They, they, and they do all this, most of this at nighttime anyway. 85% of it's at night. Um, so another thing that happens when you get a one-to-one -one ratio, calling starts working, okay? Grunting, canning. Uh, you know, bleating, rattling. It starts working in the pre-rut, okay? Uh, you, you're still going to have the, you know, they're still going to be in that nocturnal mode October, November, mostly, unless you set up on a good food source like a persimmon tree or a honey locust bean, you know, something good, nice food plot, and you, all your deer are happy out there. But but when that pre-rut starts and you got a one-to-one -one ratio, you can call those deer up. You know, I and mean, I can't tell you how many hunters... We, well, I've had come on Giles Island and say, I couldn't believe it, man. He hit those horns and three bucks came in there to us, you know? So that's a big one. That's improving the quality of your hunt. Okay. So one thing you can do here, if I'm, if I'm reading between the lines is you can reverse engineer what's going on in your land without even, without even conducting it like a massive trail cam study or something like that. If you're if you're running the calls, if you're if you're rattling horns or if you're running a grunt and nothing's coming in, you might be looking at a situation where you've got too many does on your property or in your area because there's not as much competition and they don't feel the need to come in and fight. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. Um, you know, everybody thinks you it's just a southeastern deal. You know, you can go out west and hunt. Nebraska, uh, you know, Oklahoma, Kansas, and you can call deer up out there. Uh, but they don't have as many deer as we got per, you know, per <laughs> square mile or whatever. We got an overload of deer down in the Southeast United States and particularly here where I live, you know, around in, in Mississippi, but um, you can't change it. Uh, now it takes the effort and it's gone and it takes, you're not going to change it on 300 acres. You need, everybody around you to do the same thing, you know, so right. Get on board and, you know, you can't let have one guy in the middle having to shoot five different landowners share of the does, you know, everybody's got to get on board. But, um, but I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to relate how, how good it can be because we did it on that. And we had a one, one ratio on Giles Island for 20 something years. And that's why we were consistently killing 70 bucks per year. Okay, sometimes we kill more than that, but that was because our our neighbor wasn't shooting his share of management bucks, and we were taking them out too for him, and that was <laughs> fine because that was that was fine with me because you know our, we had success with our hunters. 
I was going to uh, say it, what you just spoke to is one of the most important parts of managing your land is making sure that your neighbors are on board with your management plan, because if they're not, it messes up everybody's plan. It does. And it puts more of a workload on one than the other, you know, but uh, it, it's a tough deal, and, but it's worth doing it. I mean, if you want to get the most out of your property now, all doing if you all of this we just talked about um this it actually allows you to see the bucks you've got on trail camera at night you're going to see them during the daylight if you get a one-to-one -one ratio it's going to happen gotcha. uh, another uh advantage of, of having uh a one-to-one -one ratio is you are going to have way more bucks than though than you used to have okay because let me let me break this down for you there's a thing called carrying capacity the land can, will only support so many deer okay and you gauge it in uh, a deer per so many acres okay so kind of like i was going to say it's familiar language to anybody that runs cattle right like you, you yeah. know what the, what the food holding is for that area to carry so many head yeah, so like you get into the river bottoms, the good river bottoms, like the Mississippi River Bottom or Big Black or Bio Pierre and my area right here. Um, that's really good fertile soil and it will support a deer per nine acres. Okay. Now you get on off into some hill country where there's mixed hardwood and pines. Uh, you may have a deer per 15 acres on the best ground, maybe a deer per 20 acres. When you get off into some pine forest, really poor soil and all that, you may have a deer per one deer per 25 acres or 40 acres. Okay. So it's all relative to the to the fertility of the soil. Uh all right. So if you've got a deer per, let's just let's just run a hypothetical scenario here. Let's just say our ground will support one deer per 15 acres. And let's say we've got a thousand acres, okay? You break the divide that out, you got 66 deer. That land will support 66 deer, okay? And say you've got one buck for every four does, that yields 13 bucks on your property, a thousand acres, okay? Now let's throw that same scenario a uh, thousand acres deer per 15 acres that's still 66 deer but you've got a one-to-one -one ratio now you've got 33 bucks i was gonna say bucks. you've doubled your count with with just Instead a 13 you got 33 that's huge i mean that that right there is the main most advantage of of, of running a one-to-one -one ratio you're going to have more bucks because everybody wants the big old huge 150 plus deer okay and how do you how how are you going to get that? Well, the more bucks you put on your property and let go to five and a half years old, the better chance you're going to have of of one of them becoming a one fifty or better. You see, would you rather have the odds of thirteen one of them out of thirteen bucks or one of them out of thirty three bucks? That's the yep. biggest biggest reason for having a one to one ratio. Couple oh, questions man. out of this. So, so one, I want to ask you about how to get there, right? The management process of how the how. Let, let's say you notice, and, and we can go both ways, right? You've got more bucks than does. You've got more does than bucks. But you just brought up something really important, which is letting 
letting the deer in your area mature. And so I recently had a conversation with with somebody and I and I live out west and so it's a lot of backcountry hunting and a lot of spot and stock and 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 the pickings are way more slim than what you find out back east. You got y'all make me jealous on a consistent basis. But I was talking to somebody that had never hunted and it was you could tell like they were trying to be conservation minded in the dialogue but but an obvious flaw in the conversation came up and it was like I, but and I wanted to ask you because now it's relevant. Uh, when I was talking to this person, they were, cause I don't want to throw them under the bus or anything, but they were saying to me like, Hey, I, like I, I do, I really want to try hunting sometime. And he's like, I, I really, I, I don't want a trophy hunt. I, I, you know, I, I feel bad about that. I don't want to just go for antler size. I, I, I would take like a, like a spike, you know, something like that. I'm just hunting for food. And I had a response, but I want to hear your response first. Cause, cause honestly, I want to see if I was off. Uh, but if somebody has that mindset where like, I'm just going to take the first thing I see, I'm, I'm not going to pass on the spike because I'm only after me. I feel like I want the mature ones to stay and the young ones, we can take those. They need to shoot a doe. If they're going after meat, they need to shoot does and have a good pair of binoculars to make sure they're not shooting button bucks. Period. I mean, I see it. Let these, let these bucks go. Uh, maybe not everybody is a trophy hunter. I get it, but let's respect the ones that are. And let's just let the bucks go on to maturity, which in my mind is five, five and a half years old. Uh, you better start trying to kill him at five and a half because <laughs> that it's not an easy thing to do. And you and some of them gonna get by and you wind up getting them at six, seven, and eight years old. But if you if you're just shooting them antler size, you're killing a lot of good three-year-old deer, man. I mean, we 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 did it. I mean, cause we we ran bow hunting and, and gun hunting on the island. We sold those hunts and we had a 140 rule on the bow hunters, and it eventually went up to 145. Had to score at least 145 without being a five-year-old, and we killed some 160-inch three-year-old deer, and that hurt me. You know that that that's the deer that could have been a 180, 191. You know, two years down the road. So, uh, yeah, if you're just meat hunting, shoot the does. Yeah, you're going to help everybody out when you do that. Well, and I, the, the, the dialogue that I kind of had is like, if you're taking that approach, then you're eliminating the younger generations and passing on the older generations that are on their way out. And, yeah. and you end up limiting the population because those younger generations become strong. They, they do become, you know, that, that is your future large deer. And if you do that, you're, you're actually, you're, you're impacting the population in a way that's like, it's not going to grow stronger as a general population. And so it, it was it was a funny dialogue because you could tell they were trying to be careful and they were trying to well I I you know I I don't want to do that trophy thing because there's there's going for a more mature buck it's labeled as trophy hunting but it's like you're also allowing the population to grow and the stronger deer are going to achieve supremacy and it's and they don't they don't live that long anyways you're talking five six seven eight years like you know it's somewhere in that range that that five and up you know what's yeah. the oldest deer you've seen I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think you could, if you just let them go, you know, I mean, you could probably have deer go to, you know, 12, 15 years old. I don't know, but uh, we hunt them so hard, we don't have them. Right, there. right. <laughs> I mean, and well, the biologists really can't age them. Once they get to eight, they put eight and then a plus sign. And they don't, they really don't know how they are after that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, well, and that life is hard. Like a deer's life is not an easy thing. Like they, no, it's not. Really it's tough animals. Hard. Yeah. So, so let, let me talk a little bit about, all right, so give everybody an expectation, and this might hurt some feelings, but uh, 
how many deer you can expect mature deer to kill like on that thousand acres okay that's got a one-to-one ratio okay so if you got a one-to-one ratio let's just say you got you're gonna have to have if you got a buck phone then you got a doe phone to match it you got a one and a half year old buck you got a one and a half year old doe two and a half two and a half three four and five and a half so that's six bucks and six does okay so that's 12 deer it takes those 12 deer to keep it to keep, be consistent year in and year out okay keeping that one-to-one ratio takes 12 deer to harvest one five and a half year old buck did that just make sense yes okay so you so it's so that's your harvest ratio like you don't want to harvest more than a 12 to 12 or sorry a six to six ratio because otherwise you're going to deplete the population it you, you get it all out of whack so one for one in the age in every age in every generation up to up to five and a half years old all right so it takes 12 deer to kill one five and a half year old buck a thousand acres um uh, has 66 deer on it you divide that by 12 you can kill five five and a half year okay. old bucks on that thousand acres that's some now, pretty solid said, math that that is now, i know i know it. everybody just went oh my god no all right so <laughs> yeah get it but it's true um yeah you might say oh man we got thousand acres back home we lease out and we kill 15 or 20 i said well okay you might be you're either killing your neighbor's old deer or you're shooting two and three and four year old bucks that's what's right. happening so uh i mean this is the numbers don't do not lie numbers can't lie it's impossible all right we hold uh, the, the facts don't care about your feelings <laughs> <laughs> now i know they don't they don't care about your feelings and we average 70 bucks per year on giles island 9400 acres and that breaks out breaks down to a buck per 135 acres every year we did it consistently so we'll maintain that, a population for growth and strong bucks uh you know strong populations so what about you know in, in the instance of let's let's take both both angles you've got too many bucks you've got too many does how do you manage for that now that's another issue now you, you you've got to keep your herd un, under carrying capacity you want to be right there touching on carrying capacity to have the optimum number of bucks you know so you can hopefully raise some good ones out of that uh, but you got to stay under carrying capacity to make sure they got all the nutrition that they need so there's two things you got to stay keep your total deer numbers down but strive for that one-to-one okay. -one ratio and and so by by carrying capacity you mean you're talking about the ratio of one deer per 15 acres or yes given your food supply right because because it could be one deer every you talked about pine forest and one deer every 40 acres which hurts me a little because it's one of those like you know, being out west and it's all pine it's like yeah that makes sense you got to try real hard um but you know you could be down to one you said in a in a really well uh an area with stream lowlands not as many hills you can carry more like what'd you say eight acres uh a deer per nine acres nine acres yeah 
Yeah. But 15 is probably a good rule of thumb yeah. to keep in mind because most areas are not just flat and plush with food. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with that. So, right, so it's a tough yeah, yeah. deal to accomplish. So, so how do you go about accomplishing a one-to-one -one ratio? Well, um, shoot the does. <laughs> That's what you got to do. You, you definitely got to shoot the does. So, so how do you know how many to shoot? Well, you can uh, you can hire a biologist or get on the the state's DMAP program, and they'll have you know that won't cost you anything. And he's he's just as sharp as anybody else, and uh, that's what he went to school for, and that's all he does. That DMAP biologist, and go with their recommendations. They know what they're doing. They have studied deer, and they've got a whole a history of colleges that have studied the deer, and they've got all this data and do what they say now how do you accomplish doing what they say now you i mean if you think you can go out there and and figure out your ratio and figure out how many does you need to shoot that's fine you know but when you're doing that when you're trying to decide what your ratio is um i really don't like trail cams to go off of that you can use them as part of the equation but what we did on giles i I got my guys to come in and tell me how how many deer did you see? Tell me how many bucks and tell me how many does. And the, we didn't, I said, do not count the phones. When you go out there, do not count the phones. Half of them are bucks and half of them are does. You know, gets low light. You can't tell that button buck out there 200 yards. So don't count the phones. Just give me the one and a half and older deer. How many bucks, how many does? So through a whole year's worth of that, and our deer came to our big destination food plots really good. I mean, we would have 75 to 100 deer in some of them every afternoon. So I had a good concept on where the ratio was and how many does we need to take next year. So if you you're doing this over, deer, a, over over a matter of time to where you because obviously deer travel, right? And so you're but I mean, whitetail will pattern into a specific area and be and start they'll they'll be at certain places at certain times given you know the area is not disturbed and they'll kind of stick around to an area but by counting your area over time you get a rough estimate right like okay there's right. more bucks here okay don't now, use one weekend use the whole year right you know? right because october november you're not seeing a lot of those bucks right they nocturnal as all get out you're gonna see the does because they got to move around a lot because they got two phones sucking off of them right right so and you're going to see some young bucks because they're still growing. They got to eat more, you know, to, to get body weight up. So use the whole year as a gauge if you're trying to decide yourself. That's, that, that's something I want to bring up. Yeah, because yeah. you could imagine somebody going, I'll just, I'll just do this myself and go out for a weekend. And like, mm -hmm. I've got 20 deer. I'm like, well, you might have 50 or you might have five and you just saw them twice. You know, like, it, yeah. If but if you're if you're if you're going out the whole year, you've got to keep kind of a consistent patterning on doing that, which is which also kind of lends me to to say that like your idea on using the state, using a biologist, that becomes really beneficial because it's somebody that knows more than you. Yeah, exactly. So all right, now you now you decided, say you decide, all right, we got to kill this many does next year. All right, how do you physically go about doing that? All right, so number one. Just make that commitment and make sure that you're going to make it happen no matter what. Um, you start shooting them October 1 when, or for us in Mississippi. Whenever your season start opens, that's when you need to start shooting them. 
I mean, it's, it's better to shoot them early. And the reason it's better to shoot them before the rut comes is you've already decreased, now you've decreased the number of does that the, that the bucks have to offer. Your hunt's going to be better by increasing that competition, okay? That's one reason for getting them out early. But it doesn't matter. If you don't have your quota of does, by the time that rut gets there, keep shooting them. People, people, you know, some people say, oh, you don't want to shoot a doe that's already bred. Yes, you do, because if you don't shoot her, she's going to have two more fawns next year, and now you got... <laughs> It's a snowball effect, and it's, it's getting the same problem. It doesn't matter. The main thing is to get your quota of does out of the way. Now, there's some other things you can do to, to help with that because not everybody wants to shoot. Now, if you're running a club or you got guests coming in or whatever, and you're in charge, I mean, deer management is a dictatorship. It does not work any other way. That's <laughs> one person has got to make all the calls on this thing, and they've got to hold everybody accountable. Um. Uh, what you can do is have your hunters say, okay, you're not buck eligible until you shoot two does this year. And so they're going to start trying to kill them with that crossbow on October the 1st. You know, I want to get to get to this buck. I'm going to go over here and try to whack two does right quick. So, and then you could, or one doe or what, you know, it just depends on how it works out. Two does or one doe before you're buck eligible. Then you got to shoot another doe before you shoot your second buck or whatever, like something like that, an incentive. You got to incentivize your hunters to shoot them, to make it happen. You can uh, you can also do some of these um, charitable type hunts. You know, there's many many uh, nonprofit organizations out there that you know, wounded warriors or catch a dream stuff like this. There's a lot of those out there, and they would be glad to bring some hunters in on your property to whack and stack some does. When, like Mississippi, you can use a rifle starting the first weekend in November and take a bunch of them out, and our pre-rut doesn't start till December. So that's a great time and a great cause and everything, and it helps helps them out. It helps you out, and you can you can take a bunch of those out in one weekend doing it that way. So. And what you just spoke to also is is sort of you know that's that's kind of where I was asking is is you know what if you have the ratio off and it's just to just to make sure it was said out loud you you just you you take more of the opposite right if you've got too many does take more does if you have too many bucks take more bucks and and try to get that ratio more in balance so that you get that activity that you're looking for yep exactly now uh I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something else out here. That's Are we hurting feelings really, again? It's really gonna <laughs> this one's really gonna ruffle some feathers. All right. Hard. Yes. All right. Here we go. So once you have a one to one ratio, okay, then all you got to do, as long as you're staying under that carrying capacity, is shoot twenty percent more does than you do bucks to keep your one to one ratio. Now, why you got to shoot 20% more? Because this is one that hurts because it is a biological fact that 20% of, of all three year old and older bucks die from natural causes every year. And that most of that death is occurred by brain abscess from the fighting, they crack their skull plate. And then sometimes when they shed their antler, they take a little pie-shaped piece of skull plate with falls off with the shed. I've seen that a lot. 
So you're going to lose 20% of your three and a half and older bucks every year. So therefore you got to shoot 20% more does than you do bucks to maintain your one-to-one ratio. I was going to say anybody, the, the least surprised person hearing that would be my wife. Just, just knowing the behavior of males. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, we do dumber it, things, it, right? I mean, it's just, it, it's a biological thing. I think it, it's true. I mean, we found y'all, you, you wonder why you had some trail cam of, of a certain buck and you never saw him again. And you know, your neighbors didn't kill him. That's why. He got gotcha. you. So, and it happened to us on the island. You know, we we would pass up some really big three and a half, four and a half year old bucks, hoping they would be all of that when they got to five and never see them again, or we find them dead out there. But you gotta you gotta strive for a hundred percent. And if you wind up with eighty percent, you're good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't use these excuses just to go out there and shoot young deer if you're trying to raise hundred fifty inch deer, right? Yeah. Well, and, and you brought up something as well that it reminded me of a fly fishing story that I had, but it's, it's, I call it the gray beard discount. And it's like, as you're, as you're trying to count your deer, you, you do have to space it out. And, and especially in the off season when it's non rut, if you're trying to gauge your populations, you probably want to have some nocturnal approaches as well, because the old deer, I, I just, it, what reminded me of fly fishing is I went, I went fishing with a group and, and I've, I've achieved the status of gray beard now. And, that there were some young guys that were out there at like 4 a.m. setting up and and just I mean it's cold, it's miserable. And I slept in, I had a good breakfast, I showed up at daybreak, and these guys have been fishing for like four and five hours. Half of them look like they have hypothermia and they're and they're out there fishing. And this is a weird area where like you're on a ladder and stuff, it's cold, it's windy. And we waited until until daybreak. We're relaxed, we had coffee, and we showed up and we caught more fish. <laughs> <laughs> they had had the whole time and it was sort of the old guy thing like i you know you guys can have your exuberance i'm gonna show up and do my thing and i know how to do it and and so the older bucks do the same thing like you were talking about bucks moving around in the daylight you get a lot of the younger ones the ones that are really trying to prove themselves to eat more and and you've got the older bucks will hang out and you don't see them and and it in mountainous areas, they go up high and they're gone the entire year until the rut. You won't even know your population until that time. So there's there's an importance on, on taking a methodical approach and taking a long time to do this because you might not have a true assessment. That's right. Yeah. You, my friend, are a five-year-old buck. Right. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting a little long on the tooth now. So <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, that, that, that five-year-old, he's usually nocturnal anyway, but when that rut comes, you want him to have to go hunt to find a doe. That's when you that's when you're gonna see him in the daylight. Because he will sleep in and have breakfast. And if he doesn't have yeah, to go, he, will. Far, he, he won't. sure will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that. So so as you're as you're doing this, is you know, are are you trying to cultivate the food to hold more? Like is does food have any influence on on your sort of like your ratio or is it just general population that you're trying to influence yeah yeah no the the food is only going to be you know relative to the nutritional value that you're providing them so yeah and i mean if you run some of these properties run protein feeders you know all around every corner 
And if you do that, you can, you're, you're raising your carrying capacity, I believe, but you got to keep it going. Now you can't stop and start that deal. When you make a commitment to do that, you got to keep it going. Um, and then the deer will tell you, you know, whether they got enough natural vegetation or not, because they'll leave that protein alone. Usually when the green up starts in the springtime, they would rather have the natural vegetation than those protein pellets. Uh, but achieving, uh, uh, wanting and achieving a one-to-one -one buck dough ratio is all about trying to kill more quality bucks in the end, because you're going to have more bucks on your place. And if you're if you're assessing your land for and this is just a, a I've got, I'm trying to come up with questions that that, that can like I'm, I'm trying to stump you here. So uh, if if you've got you know let's take your thousand acre spread and you've got a really dense food area and then you have an area that is not as dense, is that okay because you're bringing in deer to a centralized area or do you want it more spread out so that there's not as much uh sort of like overpopulation to one area well you just you just named um you just categorize like the midwest a lot of parts <laughs> of the midwest that's the way it is in kansas you know um those deer they're going to go to those ag fields they're going to hang out around those ag fields until they get harvested and then they leave and they go back up in the countryside up in those draws and fingers you know, so it might be miles away, miles away. I'm talking eight or 10 miles away. So they may have a summertime place they hang out. Then they may have a, you know, a wintertime place that they hang out. So you got to learn those patterns and not, not all of them will leave. You know, some of them are going to stay around, you know, but the majority are going to hang to where the best food is. And then they're going to disperse from there as it dies out or the frost kills it or it gets harvested or whatever your situation is. I appreciate your rolling with my questions there. I, I've like, it's as I'm asking, it's like, I'm going to sound really dumb for this, but I'm just going to ask it anyways, because someone's going to ask it. <laughs> yeah. So I, I appreciate you fielding that without being like, Mac, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good, man. Uh, you know, I realize that most of the people that are listening to us today, they, they know all of this, but some, some don't, you know, right. some haven't had the benefit that we've had. So we're just here to share and, you know, our experiences and it's all fun, man. That's why I love doing this, what I'm doing, selling hunting land for a living. And I'm out there trying to help the guys or just, or, and listening, maybe I can learn something from them too, you know, to help somebody else down the road. Oh, exactly. Well, so Jimmy, you're, you're really active on social media. Uh, tell people your handle on, on how to see you on, on Instagram, because you're doing a lot of work there. I don't even know what my handle is. What is ah, it? <laughs> I mean, I'll post it in the notes. We'll have it in there. We'll get the link. <laughs> I'm green on this social media, man. Uh, you know, for a greenie, I, you're doing a lot of work. Well, the you know Ronnie, that's our CEO of the company. He said, "I want you to do this. You can do it. It's gonna help the company. It's gonna help you." And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, Christ! Are you serious?" So I just made a commitment, man. I said, "Okay, I'm gonna do this." Every time I go to the woods, I'm going to find something stupid to talk about, and I'll run it on there and just hope for the best. <laughs> All right. So your at is Jimmy Riley NLR, and I'll have that in the show notes. And you listening, give Jimmy here a follow. It's worth your time, and uh, share it around. Uh, that's, that's how everybody's business grows in this industry. 
Um, but we'll have that in the in the show notes. Make sure that y'all share that. Well, Mac, I surely appreciate you, my friend. It's always a pleasure talking with you. Likewise, likewise. Appreciate your time, man. Good talking to you again. All right. Y'all have a great rest of the winter. You as well. This concludes episode number 83 of the National Land Realty Podcast, talking with Jimmy Riley about buck-to-doe ratios and cultivating strong population growth. Remember, you can learn more about the buying and selling of land at nationalland.com.